This is Real Estate Rookie episode 115. We've had such high demand after we started marketing this. We had so many people interested in this that we actually are trying to acquire properties a little bit more quickly because we have so many people that want to do this. I'm Ashley, and I am here with Tony, your host today of the Bigger Pockets Real Estate Rookie Podcast. Tony, what is new? I feel like it's been a while since we recorded. I know, right? It's always like kind of getting back onto the bike after being off for a while. But what's new? We had an LOI out on a nine-unit hotel here in SoCal in a little lake community. It was rejected. <laughs> so Was it the, even an encounter or just rejected? No, they counter, but they were just asking for way too much. It was kind of a seller finance deal. They wanted a certain number down for down payment. It just didn't work at that number. We told them what our max was, so the, the deal kind of fell apart. But um, as a consolation prize, we just got three more houses under contract in Joshua Tree from the same builder that we bought a lot of our other houses from. So we're working on getting that closed, hopefully in the next like eight to 10-ish weeks. I thought there was like this conversation where Sarah said that you promised her you were going to buy houses for a little bit. I was in place for like maybe four weeks and then it's just like things just kept kind of going. So yeah, now we've got four houses under contract in Joshua Tree. Three of them will be short-term rentals. One will be a flip. And then we've got four cabins under contract. We're just waiting on the on the bills to be done with those as well. So yeah, it's going to be a busy next like six months for us as all these properties start to get finished up. Yeah, but Tony, that's so exciting. Congratulations. How long does it take you to close on a property in California? I mean, if you're lending, like if you're doing traditional lending, 30 days. If you're paying cash, you could do it in like 10, maybe less. Because you don't have to have attorneys, right? You do just title. Yeah, title and escrow. The only thing that, that like kind of takes a long time right now is getting your preliminary title report to come back. Like, I guess just they're kind of backed up. But once that's done, you can close pretty fast. Well, congratulations. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I still I still have three properties under contract and just slow moving. <laughs> My one, it's a mobile home park and it's an off-market deal. Someone brought to me and the seller and his wife. I just love them. They're so nice. And I'll go over there and be there for like five hours. But they are having a hard time finding an attorney that they want to use and just all these little things. They're just the sweetest, though. And they constantly are calling me and texting. Don't worry. We're still selling it to you. Blah, blah, blah. And just so I'm just waiting on that. I, I mean, I'm in no rush. I haven't put any money down on the table yet or anything. And then I got my self-storage facility under contract and I just got the environmental phase one study back. So I need to go over that today when we're done recording and see what that looks like. But hopefully I'm yeah, pushing forward on that and that's going to be seller financing. So I can hopefully close on that pretty quickly. Then my husband's farm has been under contract a year and a half. For like a year, right? to, <laughs> Yeah, a year and a half. Tried to do a subject two deal on that. So he's trying to acquire a neighboring farm. So that's been a process, but he, uh, has at least gotten to an agreement where he's at least working the fields this year on the property while we're waiting to close. So that's good that he's at least being able to take advantage of the property. Yeah, New York is the only state I know where it takes two years to close on a property. <laughs> yeah. But I also feel like all these things come up for me too, which takes so much longer. Like even with the self-storage facility, the environmental study, it was like we had a set date. It was going to be done. Well, the lady went to go do it and she couldn't get into one of the buildings. So then we had to extend it because 
wasn't our fault that she couldn't get in. It was kind of the seller's responsibility to let her in. And so then we had to extend that out and so just all these little things. But I feel like it's going to be like you. It's going to, you're going to close all of them at once. And it's all just going to be like a madhouse like super, and chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Been there, done so that. Easy. Been there, done yeah. that. Yeah. But today, if you guys have shiny object syndrome, probably don't listen to this episode because <laughs> we learned about rent to own and how to do this as a real estate investor in. Jessica does a great job of just laying it out. And she actually calls it a burr tour as to what they're doing. So buy, rehab, rent, and then do buy to own on it. (laughs) It's crazy because doing a rent to own as a landlord, it's different than seller financing. It's different than subject to like, they're all very similar, but there's nuances that make the rent to own kind of really appealing as the property owner, because you're kind of combining the birth strategy with flipping with, I don't know, kind of like house hacking, even almost like it's crazy because you're putting together all these different strategies, but they found a way to make it really, really both financially impactful and positive for themselves, but they're also having a really positive impact on the folks that they're working with. And I I think that's what Jessica, our guest today was really most excited and, and most proud of. Remember when you had to pay to get a Leeds phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right. Get high-quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do-not-call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com slash BP. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers... Proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with RentReady. Now, RentReady is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six-month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R E N T R E D I.com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP, like Bigger Pockets, Investor for six months of rent ready for only $1. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests to the maintenance to organizing the cleaners after every guest day, with Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. 
As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com slash biggerpockets. Let's bring Jessica onto the show. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you start off just telling us a little bit about yourself and how you got started in real estate? Thank you for having me. So I am actually a full-time dental hygienist as well. So real estate um, just started when uh, we were living in Boston back before my husband and I were married. We've been married about 20 years now. So we owned a property up there in Boston, that small condo there. And that was our first real intro to real estate because we relocated down to Northern Virginia and we decided, well, why don't we just rent that property and see how that goes? So that was kind of our first step into real estate. So what made you even want to decide to get started in real estate and taking that first step? Was it you? Was it your husband? And how did you guys both agree that you wanted to do that? So I think it just kind of fell that way because when we moved, we just decided let's rent that place. And as the years go by, like I said, we've been married 20 years now. So a couple of years go by, we said, eh, let's maybe buy another property around here, things like that. So we did save and we did traditional financing. We bought a couple more properties. But I think really, like, if you want to ask, like, what jumpstarted this big push for us to do more real estate, it was COVID. When COVID happened, I'm sure a lot of people like us were forced to kind of rethink things. We specifically, like for me as a hygienist, I was out of work for three months. So we were kind of like, what are we going to do? And it really made us think, okay, what can we do more to secure our future a little bit more? And real estate was something that was working for us. We had positive cash flow coming from our rental properties. And so that was, that was kind of the push that really pushed us to say, let's do more for real estate. What you're saying, Jessica, about the impact that COVID had on you is something that, that we've heard from a lot of other people, right? I think that there's always kind of this fear associated with getting into real estate because it's risky and, you know, you could lose your money and this and this and that. But I think what COVID showed a lot of people is that not having some kind of supplemental income outside of your W-2 job, that's what's risky, right? Like having all of your financial security coming from your paycheck is risky because who knows what could happen that could impact your paycheck. Now, hopefully it's not always going to be something as severe or as crazy as COVID, but it could be a downturn in the economy. It could be that the company you work for gets bought by somebody else. It could be that your position becomes redundant, right? Or there's technology that comes in and makes your job no longer viable. So there's so many different reasons why you might end up losing your W-2 income. So having that passive income, that side hustle, that business, that real estate portfolio as a safety cushion is is great. I love that. And I think even to add on to that is not even just your W-2 income, but just having one income stream, no matter what that is. I learned that from COVID because I always thought my husband has the dairy farm. 
and I had a W-2 and I want to do real estate so that if something happened with the farm and milk prices dropped and we had to sell our cows, things like that, that real estate was our our safety net. And actually when COVID happened, it was a complete 180. It was like, oh my gosh, our tenants might not pay rent and the farm is staying exactly the same. Nothing has changed with the farm. And the farm is actually our safety net now that the farm would pay our mortgages on our rental properties. So that was like a big growth for me is like to have those multiple income streams coming in. Definitely. So Jessica, what is just before we dive more into your real estate journey, can you give everyone just a little recap overview of what your portfolio looks like today? Sure. Yeah. So um, like I said before, we had a property in Boston and I'll probably touch on that a little bit because we sold that to acquire more private properties. So we currently have three properties in our Northern Virginia area. And we have three properties in Pennsylvania and a fourth one in the works. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So what are, are these uh, buy and hold long-term rentals, short-term rentals? What do they look like as far as that? So they're buy and holds right now, but with kind of the new model that we really are trying to take our business, it's going to be going more that rent-to-own strategy. So it is buy and hold for now with kind of a exit strategy of our tenant buyers cashing out at the end. Let's talk about that because Tony, I don't think we've had a guest that has come on yet to talk about rent to own. So if you want to maybe go into why you guys are making that pivot in your business and then explain what is rent to own. Yep. So um, like I said, when COVID happened, we were kind of reevaluating everything that we wanted to do. We started listening to more podcasts. We started doing mastermind classes and really just kind of diving deep to find out what was going to be best for us. And we had so much equity in our property in Boston. We thought, okay, let's sell that and use that to diversify. And how were we going to diversify? So we thought maybe multifamilies, eightplex, something like that, larger buildings might be something better for us. So in the meantime, we're listening to the podcast. We're hearing more from mastermind classes. And it was during one of those classes that we heard, or at least I heard, some people talking about more creative finance type of deals, rent-to-own type programs. And it really hit me because as a mom, as a woman, as you know, just a real estate investor, I wanted to do more than just be a landlord. So I wanted to find ways that I could help people more, serve people more, provide more for people. And so those, those things really stood out at me. And we actually reached out to some of the people that we met on some of those mastermind classes. And we wound up entering into a mentorship program with them. And that has been great for us because it's, they've really helped us narrow our focus and really like get on the path to this rent to own or even creative finance options as well. So that's kind of how we are where we are. So what are the benefits to you, Jessica, as the property owner to offer your tenants rent to own as opposed to just doing a traditional like long-term lease? Yep. So a couple of things with that is one, we're putting more ownership. So we're getting people to become homeowners, right? So that's a benefit. Also, it's taking away our kind of responsibility as like a landlord. We don't have to really take care of the properties. Our tenant buyers are going in knowing that we're viewing them as a homeowner and anything they want to do, they can 
kind of do and take care of on their own. So no leaky toilet phone calls coming in and things like that. So I think those are like some of the best ones I can think of right now. (laughs) So can we talk a little bit more about the structure, right? Like when you have a traditional tenant, they come in, they sign a, a lease for 12, 18 months, whatever it is. And then the rent goes up possibly at the end of that lease term when they renew what, like, is there a lease in place for rent to own? And if there is like, do you work in any rent increases? Just what is the like paperwork side of this look like? Okay. So we have a really good like system in place. So we have steps that we follow. So the first thing we would do is like, if we start with a property, we have a property, we're going to now list that property as a rent to own. So for example, we'll you know, with our recent property, we put signs in the window, maybe Facebook, you know, a lot of free resources out there, Facebook, Craigslist, whatever. So we market that. We make use of virtual assistants to help us process all those phone calls that we get. We're also active on our Facebook page and Instagram. So people reach out to us there if they have heard about our property. And then once we do that, we have like a qualifications that the people need. So a lot of people do call, they think it's just a rental. They might not know exactly, but we screen them pretty heavily. So we're looking for people that have a larger down payment. Typically we look for something closer to 10% of the purchase price of the home. And we're looking for people that want to be homeowners. They may have credit issues. They may have, maybe they went through a divorce and, and got to go get out a home on their own that they can't quite qualify before, or they are self-employed so they don't have that rapport that the traditional mortgage loan would be looking for. So once we get that, we would find somebody that would qualify meeting all of our requirements. And then we have another kind of team in place that we use for screening them. So they will go through and do background checks or check their job history, things like that. And they will actually give us a report that will show when, how long it would take them to become mortgage ready. So typically that's maybe two to three years and they, our tenant buyers would then kind of enroll in that program that they work together with our screening team and they come up with a nice detailed plan on get them from not mortgage ready to mortgage ready, get that credit score up. What do they need to do? And then pretty much once we have that in place, we've got our attorney lined up and they'll sign with the attorney all the paperwork. So they'd be coming to the table with their larger deposit, non-refundable option deposit. Okay. They'll come with their first month rent and the attorney fees, whatever that, that might be. And once all that's done, they're pretty much ready to rock and roll and start moving in. So yeah, this is my first time kind of deep diving into this whole rent to own space. So I just want to make sure I understand the process for you as a property owner. So you list your property as a rent-to-own, you screen tenants, you select them. But once that person is selected, they're not putting down a normal deposit that's like first and last. You said they're putting down 10% of what the purchase price is on that property. That's great. So like, if I'm thinking out loud right now, you could go out, you could find a property, you know, you could buy it, rehab it, put it as a rent to own, and then you get a 10% down payment on the new value of the property. It's almost like a burr, right? Where you're, you're kind of recapturing all of your money from that down payment by the tenant. Am, am I explaining it the right way? Yeah, you hit it right on there. And we actually feel like we coined a new term. So everybody knows burr, but we did burr tour. 
So buy, rehab, rent to own, refinance, and repeat. So yeah, you got it. <laughs> that's awesome. So what, what's some of the documentation that's required? Like, are you creating like a promissory note where you're the note holder and then this tenant is coming in and signing this note? Or, or like, what is the legal paperwork? Like, what documents are you guys signing? Yeah, so we definitely have, everything's very legal documents. It's a standard, pretty much standard lease. And then we do the lease purchase option as well. So they're signing that as well with the attorney. And sorry, just following up here, right? So when they sign the initial documents, are they agreeing to the purchase price at the time of the initial signing? Like say that I I signed a lease with you today, but my lease option isn't for another three years or whatever it is. Am I already locking in that price three years from now? Or do you like renegotiate at the end of that lease term to say, here's what the purchase price will be? Yep. So the way that we actually price our, our homes are a couple different things that we take into consideration is what is the price around the area for homes like that? What is the condition of the home? So does it need a little bit of work? Are the tenants going to be responsible for that? Because we don't always rehab every property. So, and then we kind of put a little bit of a upsell on our services that we're providing for these people. And then what would the price of the home be two to three years from now? So that's when they would actually be buying the home. So we price it at that point. And then the payments that they're making during this time before they actually purchase the home, how are you factoring that? Are you doing that as what a mortgage payment would be based off principal and what is the current interest rate, or are you doing it off of market rent? So not quite. So when they sign with us, like I said, they're renting first, so they're paying their rent. So whatever the market rent is, is what we price their rent at. And then we also have like a separate like NRAD assistance program. So anything that they think that they would like to pay over their rent we will welcome that. And that would be applied to the purchase price of their home. So like with our property now, we can talk a little bit more about numbers if you want, but they're going to pay about $300 more over the rent that we're charging. So that will go towards the purchase price of their home down the line. We know, and you all know, why it's super important that good tenant screening is absolutely critical to your management process. Luckily, RentReady, the comprehensive property management software, has a new feature that makes tenant screening a complete breeze. In addition to TransUnion certified tenant screening, RentReady now offers proof of income verification. So RentReady's automatic tenant proof of income verification ensures an in-depth check of each applicant's financial stability and earnings. With Plaid certified tenant income and asset reports, you can see a potential tenant's income summary and total earnings by month. It's time to say goodbye to that whole gut check tenant screening and feel confident renting out your property with Rent Ready. Now, Rent Ready is included in your pro membership at Bigger Pockets. If you're not a pro, they're offering the six-month plan for only $1. Visit rentready.com. That's R-E-N-T-R-E-D-I dot com and use the code BP Investor. That's BP Like Bigger Pockets Investor for six months of rent ready for only $1. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that a long time ago before I ever started my real estate business, 
I turned one of my first primary residences into an Airbnb. And that's the extra income that I needed from Airbnb that gave me the confidence to go out and work for myself and eventually quit my nine to five job. And now I have dozens of Airbnbs all over the country. I've even partnered up with the old David Green on a recent property in Scottsdale to take our portfolio to the next level. And of course, we host it on Airbnb. But you don't need to be a full-time real estate investor to start on Airbnb. As a matter of fact, I was self-managing 10 properties while working my 9-to-5 job, so I know anybody can do it. Think about it this way. You're looking for extra income and going on a vacation. Wouldn't it be great to rent out your space and let your property pay for itself while you're gone? I did this one time. I pitched my wife and my roommate because we were house hacking on the idea of renting out our home, and it paid for all of our expenses on a trip to Mexico City. So go and give it a try. It might just change your life just like it did mine. And I really do mean that. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether you need to buy or sell or you're just obsessed with looking at homes for sale, Redfin's got you covered. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes to help you see new homes first. And they give you personalized recommendations based on the homes you like so you can find the home that's just right for you, whether that's a cabin, a craftsman, or a castle. With the top-rated Redfin app, you can favorite homes, share listings with others, and schedule tours, even the same day, with a local Redfin agent who can help guide you through the whole home buying process. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents have the experience to help get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents. With a listing fee as low as 1%, Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards what matters most to you, like your next home. In fact, last year, Redfin saved home sellers $127 million. No matter where you are in your real estate journey, Redfin can help. Download the Redfin app to get started today. Yeah, let's go into the numbers on a property. Tony, unless you had something else to add on to that. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we can go there. I want to talk about deal finding, but we can we can kind of hit both of those at the same time. But yeah, let's go into the numbers. Yeah, if you want to give us the numbers on what one of these rent-to-own deals look like, we'd love to hear that. Yeah, sure. So I'll just give kind of an example of the property we have now going into the rent-to-own program. We purchased that property kind of when the market was real iffy with covid we bought it for about $72,000. We knew that it needed some work. So we actually are doing some renovations work on that now. We put about $40,000 of, of work into that. And we listed the property for $169,900. Okay. So that's kind of the numbers of this particular house that we're doing. So you can see, and then they're coming in with about 10%. And the reason that we asked for such a higher deposit is because we want people to be committed to the home. And down the line, that's what banks are going to want, right? They're going to want, they need that larger deposit. So they need to see that that has been made and met. So that's part of the reason for that larger deposit as well. So you guys actually hold on to that deposit and then they use that when they go to the bank or... How do you show the bank that they've already put in that 10 grand, I guess? Or that's just part of the rent to own, like the lease purchase agreement. It states it in there. Yeah. So everything we have is documented. So when it comes down to that point, we have copies of everything. We have their rental payment history. They see they've been paying their rent every month on time. The deposit that they made, the everything that was signed uh, with the attorney saying they're giving X amount. Now, 
the purchase price amount. Okay, I see. But you don't have to keep it. So when a tenant comes in and they give their security deposit, you don't have to keep it in like an interest bearing account. Do you have to hold on to that 10% until they purchase it, like show that those funds are still there? Or can you just take that money in? Yeah, no, we don't need to do that. No, no, we just keep records of that. So essentially what we can do later, because we can use that deposit actually to buy a new home, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that that's kind of somehow it works. But no, we don't need to keep it in any type of interest, anything like that. They're making that deposit that's being recorded and that'll be shown to the, to the bank. We have a loan officer as part of our team as well. So they are familiar with these creative finance and rent-to-own type strategies. So they know exactly how this process is going to work and they can facilitate things, make it go real quick at the end. One follow-up question for me. So using the same property as an example, right? So the purchase price was $169.9. So 10% down payment is somewhere around $17,000, right? If I'm the tenant, I come to Jessica, I give you or I give you $17,000 down. And then I like the term for the, the rent to own is what, like three years, 36 months, somewhere around there? It depends on their credit history, but I would say between two and three years is ideal. Yeah. But we're flexible. If they need to go longer, obviously for us, cash returns is, works out well too. <laughs> So say it's three years, right? 36 months. At the end of that 36 months, are they now just refinancing to get like a new mortgage? Or I guess, what is that like when they get up to the end of that 36 months, what does the process look like from the tenant to actually get a real mortgage in place? So they'd be working with our loan officer, right? And then we have record of everything they've paid up to that point. So their NRAD, anything they paid over their monthly rent, and then they would just be getting the loan for the remainder. So the bank would give them the loan for the remainder and that would cash us out. And Tony, I think what you were thinking is like as of refinancing, they don't actually own the property until that three-year mark. Is that kind of what you were wondering? Yeah. Like to do a refinance? Yes. Yeah. So they, they're going and they're saying to the bank, we're going to purchase this property now. So it's like doing a new purchase agreement and then... Jessica comes and shows them that they've already put this money towards the deal and the bank accepts that as their down payment and money into the purchase already. Got it. That was my last question. I just wanted to confirm that they're at the end of that 36 month, they do not have to put a second down payment because they're showing that they've already put a down payment on this property. That Sorry, I'm, I'm a little slow sometimes, but I, I just want to make sure I'm getting it because it, it sounds like a win-win for both of you guys, right? Like it's a win for the tenant because they're getting into this home that they probably wouldn't have been able to get into otherwise. It's a win for you because you're getting this really big down payment up front that most landlords aren't going to get. But then you're also getting the cash flow month over month over month. And then you've got the ability to go out and just kind of repeat this process over and over again. So I love the approach. The rental amounts, the monthly payments that they are making each month, those are not included into the purchase, right? They're not going to that. That is pure rental income that's coming to you, correct? Unless they pay that amount that's above that. But as far as those set monthly rental income, that's not taken off the purchase price, correct? Yeah, you got that. The rent is the rent. So anything that you pay over that or anything they choose to pay over that would be applied even more towards their down payment on the purchase price of the home. Yeah. So we've had such high demand after we started marketing this, we 
had so many people interested in this that we actually are trying to acquire properties a little bit more quickly because we have so many people that want to do this. Well, let's talk a little bit more about how you guys are acquiring your property. So what strategies, tactics are you guys using to keep your deal flow healthy? How are you guys finding your deals? So traditional financing was obviously the method we've used in the past, and we have used that uh, the past couple properties as well. As you know, the banks kind of start to give you the side eye as you get so many doors. So we know there's a couple other things that we need to figure out. So we're looking at creative finance options as well and hard money as well. So the next home that we've got on the market, we're using hard money because it's just going to be way quicker to acquire the property, even though we may have a higher interest rate on that. You know, the numbers that I've shared with you already. So it just, it will still be a great deal for, for everybody with the hard money as well. And what about like your actual, like, how are you guys finding your properties? Are you looking on the MLS? You guys working with wholesalers? Where are you finding these properties? So we do look on online. We do Zillow. We look Craigslist. We look, we've got a great realtor that is kind of on our, on, on board with us. Off market would be great as well. Seller finance is something that we're really trying to push and and try to work deals that way, especially with those off-market deals. A lot of people are trying to do for sale by owner, things like that. So that's kind of where we're looking. And I I love that it's nothing super crazy, right? Like these are strategies that any rookie investor can use. I think sometimes as a new investor, you you overcomplicate things where... You know, you want to start off right away by selling, sending a thousand mailers or, you know, cold calling a bunch of people or doing all these crazy things. But it's like, if you just kind of be patient, take your time, like there's still deals to be found in the MLS, just, just got to be patient. Yeah. And I would say, you know, one of the things that did for us was that we looked out of our area. So we're in Northern Virginia, so it's pretty pricey here. And so when we were trying to diversify and really try to reinvest our money, we thought, let's just look outside of our area, outside of our state. And it just kind of happened to go into Pennsylvania where I grew up. And that's kind of where we landed now. I would probably say a mentor, actually, because you're going to get so much experience with them and just the knowledge that they can give you and just kind of giving you that push that you need. A lot of people are too, like, I don't know if I can buy a property. I don't know how to buy a property. So really finding somebody that will kind of take you under their wing, I think is great. And also just kind of surrounding yourself with community. I know that's helped me a lot as well, right? It's just being able to be in a group with other folks that are going through the same journey as you. And with that in mind, if you guys are not part of the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group, we are one of the most active and engaged Facebook groups that are out there in, in real estate investing. 30 plus thousand members strong, but I love that advice, Jessica. I want to talk a little bit more about your mindset. So let's get into the mindset segment. What often holds rookie investors back. It isn't a lack of technical knowledge or kind of knowing what to do. It's the mental barriers that they haven't broken through yet. So what were some misconceptions you had about real estate investing that turned out to not be true, right? Some fears, some reservations you had in your mind before you got started that once you actually did it, you realized it just wasn't really that bad. Obviously, you know, everybody says this, but it's probably that fear of not knowing, right? You don't know what you're getting into. You're not an expert at it. You haven't practiced it. I think that's a big thing. But if you kind of push past that a little bit, and again, with mentors kind of guiding you and setting up 
spreadsheets like Excel is super helpful in lining up your deals, right? Like put in the numbers. How will a deal work for you? How much money do you have to put down and just make it work there so you know that you can pull the trigger. Like if it doesn't work there, if you're not making money, if it's not cash flowing, move on to something else. The first one is not always a home run. The first one is definitely not always a home run. Yeah. So, and speaking of not home runs, I got to talk about my property in Shreveport one more time. So we realized that part of the reason why the property wasn't selling was because like the tenants just didn't do a good job of taking care of it. Right. So now we've got a bill for, I think almost $8,000 to get some repairs done on the property. So we're putting new flooring in and the kitchen and the bathrooms. We're replacing some things that got broken, new windows in some certain spots. So my point of bringing that up is that sometimes you are going to have deals and maybe aren't, they don't turn out the way you want them to. But that doesn't mean that the world of real estate investing is a hoax or it's a sham, right? It just means that deal didn't work out. And the hope is that you don't waste that learning lesson right? That you, you still use it as an opportunity to get better. One of the things I tell my son all the time, is like, hey, it's okay for you to make a mistake, but don't just don't waste the mistake. And the way that you waste a mistake is by not learning from the lesson. So as long as you're learning, as long as you're getting better, as long as it didn't result in financial ruin, then you're okay, right? Keep moving on to the next deal and you'll get better with the next one. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Failure is always a learning lesson. So We even had a property, we've done a couple of flips and um, that was a complete flip. So we put a whole new story on it as well. And lots of issues with just contractors. And this was again during COVID. So it didn't quite give us profit there, but it was definitely a lesson learned. And that's how we take it and we move on to the next. Okay, Jessica, I'm going to take us to the rookie request line. Rookie listeners, this is where you guys can leave us a voicemail at 1-888-5-ROOKIE and ask us a real estate question, and we will have a guest on the show answer your question. So, Jessica, are you ready for today's question? I'm ready. Hey, guys. My name is Alina Lavallier. I'm from New Hampshire, and I had a question regarding hard money lenders. I'm just curious to what should I look for or what questions should I ask them um, when interviewing them? I have quite a few have reached out to me and via Facebook, but just wanting to know like what I should know before I get involved. Thanks so much for your help. Bye. All right. So I guess reaching out to hard money is definitely interviewing a couple different people, asking questions about their interest rate, their terms, so you want to ask for like upfront fees. What are their fees? What are their, their points? How many points they charge? What is their turnaround time? How quickly can you get the money? I think that pretty much is everything that I can think of as far as um, hard money. Um, it's definitely beneficial if you find somebody that you definitely want to make sure that they have track record as well. Make sure that they've done deals with other people, that they're not just like some person just trying to scam you out of out of money too. So that's definitely something you want to be aware of. Yeah. I think that last part is really important because you want to make sure that when you go and you make an offer and you're ready to purchase a deal that they're going to come through and you're going to be able to close with their money and they're not going to back out last second. So asking for referrals and then reaching out to the investor network in that area and see if anybody else has used them before and really um, do your due diligence on that lender. So Thank you, Jessica. Great advice. Let me add one thing onto the hard money before we keep rolling, because this is something I've, I realized recently. You also want to ask how the rehabs are funded. 
because some hard money lenders will fund the entire rehab to you up front. Others will make you pay for the rehab out of pocket and then reimburse you. So if you're going into a deal and you're working with one of the hard money lenders that, that works on a reimbursement basis and you didn't calculate that into your your costs when you were looking at that deal, then you could be in kind of a world of hurt once that deal actually closes because you don't have enough cash to get the rehab done. So just make sure you're asking that question. How did they fund the rehab? Yeah. And also, I would also say, ask if there's a prepayment penalty. That's important too, because like with a deal like ours, rent to own, if we get a term for 30 years on a loan, but we want to cash out in five years because that's what our tenant is going to do, then we want to be able to have that flexibility too. All good questions to ask. I love it. I love it. Should we go and start rookie rockstar? Ashley, anything else you want to hit before that? Yeah. Today's rookie rockstar is Frederico Marcico. And he is excited to share about a deal that he received for his first investment property. So it is a duplex and a single family home on the same lot in Cleveland, Ohio. He actually got the deal from a wholesaler. His purchase price, 27000 Total cash into the deal with closing costs, 28800 The estimated rehab is fifteen to 20000 and the ARV is 90000 uh, He was able to fund the deal with his own money, some partnerships, and a personal loan. And he's going to do a burr on this property, which is buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. So that is awesome. And make sure you post back in the Facebook group so we can see how the deal made out once you have it rented and did that refinance. Well, Jessica, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everybody where they can reach out to you and find out some more information about Rent to Own? Yeah, pretty much. We've got our Facebook page, which is Jess for Homes, J-E-S-S, the number four and homes. And uh, also on Instagram is Jess for Homes as well. Jess underscore the number four underscore homes. That's pretty much the, the biggest way to get a hold of us, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on today. We have loved learning about rent to own. It's got our uh, the shiny object syndrome going. <laughs> so, thinking of new uh, strategies. And the bird tour. We got the bird tour strategy now. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. So thank you so much. Everybody, make sure you join the Real Estate Rookie Facebook group. And we can't wait to meet you guys at the Bigger Pockets conference coming up very, very soon. I'm Ashley at Wealth From Rentals and he's Tony at Tony J. Robinson on Instagram. And make sure you join us for a rookie reply on this coming Saturday. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom. And the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com slash deals Enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and boom, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. There's free resources only available at biggerpockets.com deals.
get an agent, get the deal and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com slash deals. That's biggerpockets.com slash deals to find your investor friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.